Hey, coaches, players, and parents, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my show today, but I wanted to let you know about the video course I have available to purchase on CoachTube. This course titled Plan, Prepare, and Execute Your Skill Development Program is nine videos with nearly 60 minutes of content. It also includes a free copy of my book, The Skill Development Playbook, and a PDF version of my notes used to teach this course. You get all this content for $12.95. That's right, $12.95. Plus, as a bonus for purchasing this course and downloading my book, The Skill Development Playbook, you also get access to my free five-day course with over three hours of video content that complements my book. Go to CoachTube.com and type my name, TJ Jones, in the search box, and my course will come up. So you get my plan, prepare, and execute your skill development course, which includes my notes I use to teach the course, a free copy of my book, The Skill Development Playbook, and access to my free five-day course with over three hours of content that complements my book. So go to CoachTube today and get better. Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, season six, episode number two. I'm actually doing something different with this episode. Uh, this season, I'm trying to do more interviews. I feel like it's really good to be able to talk to other coaches and get their perspective and their thoughts on skill development. And some of the coaches that we're going to have will be coaches you might have heard of before. And it might be some that you have no clue who they are. But I feel like we can learn from everybody. It doesn't matter if they're in the NBA or the G League, if they're a European coach, or if they're a high school coach, a middle school coach, a youth league coach. I, I think there's there's always opportunity for us to learn as long as we have an open spirit. We have to have our eyes and our ears open and and be willing to receive and learn okay so we can't be closed off and think that we can only learn from the coach k's and the genos and, and coaches like that um so we got to keep our eyes and ears open at all time and we can learn from anybody but the the interview i did the audio wasn't great the interview that i did with coach kingsley wasn't the audio wasn't that great there were certain parts that you really couldn't hear there was feedback in some parts of it, and I went ahead and released it, even though the audio wasn't great, because I didn't want to waste his time. So, you know, he's a very busy person, family man, um, and he's a coach, and I didn't want to take 35, 40, 45 minutes of his time and then say, oh, this audio isn't great. I'm not going to I'm not gonna release it. So I went ahead and released it, but I wanted to do a recap. So what I did was I went back and listened to the episodes, and there were f certain parts that really stood out to me, and I wanted to use this episode to discuss it. So this is going to be a recap from the interview that I did with Matthew, with Matthew Kingsley, who is the associate head coach of the Yale men's basketball team. So I got five things that I learned from that episode that I think really stood out and that coaches need to apply to their program. So number one, make skill development a priority. Have to make it a priority. So Coach Kingsley said that skill development is just half of it which is true, is half of them. He didn't say it was all of it, but it was half of it. And I think half of that, by saying that skill development is half of what it takes to make your team 
a top program or an improved program or to have the opportunity to win your conference, your district, or make it to a national tournament or conference tournament or whatever, that's huge. That tells you how big skill development is. So they won four Ivy League championships over the last five years. They won Ivy League, and, and they were back-to-back champions uh, last year in this in this up well this past season and the season before. So you know, skill development plays a big part in that. All right, because see, you got to look at it like this: a program like Yale, they can't always get the four and the fives. Five star. I don't even know how many four and five stars they've ever landed in, in the, you know, ever. I, I don't know that. But four and five stars are typically not going to a school like Yale, right? So they have to develop their players. So their emphasis is let's get the best players we can get in here and let's really develop them to make them into the players that we want them to become. So so coaches, you have to look at it like, can I take this two-star and coach him up and develop him or her and make them a three-star? Can I take this three-star, coach him up, develop them, make them into a four-star? If you can do that, that's going to better your program. That's going to make your team better, which when your team is better, that gives you the opportunity to get more Ws. All right? So you got to make skill development a priority. Number two, you have to build up in increments. Okay. When doing individuals, you're working on that player's own offense. And this, you know, I I, I know this because I work with individual players, but I've never really thought about it in this sense. When you're doing individuals, you're working with a player one-on-one, you're really just working on that player's offense. It's not the team's offense. It's it's not necessarily – uh, how it's going to make the team better. It doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're, you're working with a player individually. You're going to make the team better. You're making that individual better. All right. I'm trying to help you with your shot. I'm trying to help you with your finishing. I'm trying to help you with your mid range. I'm trying to help you with your footwork, but the really good coaches, the really good developers and trainers can take that and then implement it and make it fit into a team setting or a team concept. Okay, that's that's where the separators come in from. All right. So uh, building up in increments. So they run a lot of ball screen motion. Okay, they run a lot of ball screen motion. And and he said this and it really got my wheels to turn. And 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 I'm I'm a big I love the NBA. I'm a big LeBron James fan. And this is something I'm going to do next time the Lakers are playing. Coach Kingsley said that making plays for yourself off of ball screens should or will happen about 25% of the time or less. So I want y'all to think about that. He says that ball screen is not really for the ball handling to make a play for themselves. It's to make a play for someone else. And, and when he said that, I got to thinking about LeBron James, how many how many ball screens he goes through, right? And how many times he'll come off that ball screen, he'll be patient, and then he'll drive it, three players will collapse, boom, and all of a sudden he makes a pass into the corner. Or he'll come off the ball screen, that guy will roll, boom, he tosses it up for the dunk. Or he attacks the ball screen, and he'll whip that ball across court and hit the hit the spot-up shooter on the wing. So, And, and I'm interested in that because I want to see – 
You know, how, you know, I think that's a, a interesting fact or it's not an interesting fact, but I think that would be interesting to watch in an, in another NBA game, especially because they run a lot of ball screens. How many times they run the ball screen? How many times does that ball handler make a play for someone else versus how many times that ball handler come off that screen and make a play for themselves? That's something very interesting. I'm sure somebody somewhere, some some uh, math geek has got that information, and I would love to see that uh, because I think that's important as a as a skills trainer when you're working with players individually. And you're telling them, oh, you got a snake here. You got to stop and keep that guy on your hip and in and out the 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 uh, the post player and finish. And you're working with them on doing things that three quarters of the time they may not get an opportunity to do. So that can change the way you develop players coming off of ball screens. So I I, I really like that. Um, so when you're doing individuals, Coach Kingsley was talking about you still emphasize playmaking options. Where your teammates can be. What are your reads? Um, even though you're working on that individual scoring, you have to let them know, okay, look, when you come off this ball screen, this is where your shooters are. This is how he's going to roll. This is how he's going to pop. Those are things they have to be able to see and envision, even though you're working with them on their scoring. So they also focus on footwork and rhythm of getting to, to what I call their scoring zones. So when that player comes off of that on-ball screen, what are, what are the scoring zones? And when I say scoring zones, I'm talking about where are we getting, where can you get to to be effective? Where can you get to where you can put the ball in the hole the best? Is it front rim? Is it to the elbow? Is it behind the three-point? Is it behind the screen? Is it rejecting the screen going baseline if it's a side pick and roll? You know, um, those are things that that you wanna that you wanna think about. Also, you do the same thing with the bigs. Where, what are the scoring zones? Where, where can you go to be able to put the ball in the basket? So if I'm setting that screen, where do I roll? Do I short roll? Do I roll hard to the rim? Am I popping? And then we can think about actions after that. Okay, hey, you know, you can pop, go into a dribble handoff or whatever it is that your continuity could be. And when we're doing this, when we're building up, he talked about building up one on two on three on and then eventually they get into two on two and three on three. So you go one on and your two on can be a number of different things, number of different ways. It could be the the guard and the big. Guard comes off the off the on ball screen, hits the big rolling, and he also talked about exit cuts. He didn't use that term, and I've heard some other coach say that before, and I can't remember who who I heard say that. But penetrate, you pass, and then you exit real quick. Steph Curry does an excellent job of this when he's playing. You see him do this all the time with Golden State. He'll penetrate, kick it out, keep running. And a big, if he's running towards a big, a big automatically knows if he's there to come and set a screen. Give it right back to Curry, turn and shoot. Because a lot of times when a player penetrates, the defensive player stops, the offensive player stops, and then they become spectators. So we have to exit cut. And so the exit cut is I drive the ball into the lane, I kick it out, and I exit immediately. And my spacing and my cutting is based on where the ball is. And it's going to be based on my teammate's tendencies. If my teammate have a tendency of driving to the right, then I need to find an area that complements him or her driving to the right. 
Does my teammate like to drive left? Do my teammate like to catch and shoot? But I have to exit, and I have to exit somewhere that allows spacing and balance within my other teammates. Okay? So this 2 on could be a guard and a big. It could be uh, a guard and a wing player. You know, it could be a number of different things. It could even be two shooters on the weak side. Coach throws it to the corner, corner catch, extra pass to the wing. He sh- he catches and shoot. We could throw a second ball to the corner. He catches and shoot. And then you can switch spots. Okay, it could be extra pass. It could be pass to the corner, catch, extra pass uh, from the wing, drive middle. The uh, the player in the corner could could be the safety valve or crack back. He can wrap around, pivot, pass, catch and shoot, and then we're gonna execute. I I drove middle. Okay, if I'm if I'm the wing player, and let me slow down a little bit. You can have a coach throw the ball to the corner. The corner can throw the extra pass to the wing. Coach can close out on the wing. Wing player could drive middle. The corner player can wrap behind the penetration. Now you got the wing player pivoting and passing the ball back out to the wing. That wing player can now shoot. Now the player that drove needs to exit. Now we're working on an exit cut. Exit out quickly. Throw another ball to that player. That player can catch a shoot or shoot a pull up or get to the rim, whatever whatever, whatever you want to emphasize at that particular moment. Okay, so you can do two on them. There's a number of different things you can do with two on them. And then you can get into three on them. And now when you do three on them, you can have uh, ball handling, you can have post player, and you can have wing player. And then you can have your coaches or your managers out there forcing the ball handling to make reads. Um, or they can make passes, or you can have everybody shooting. You can keep it real simple um, where they don't have to make any decisions, or you can make it to where they have to make decisions against some defenders. So there's a number of different things that you can do on that. So let's keep this thing moving because I'm going to try to keep this short. Uh, number three, the third thing that I learned from Coach Kingsley during, the, during our uh, episode, when our interview, we talked about in-season skill development. In season skill development. This is something that I have been that I have been learning that a lot of coaches lack knowledge in. So I'm I'm finding now that a lot of coaches are torn between what they should really do when it comes to in season and skill development. But uh, Coach Kingsley said this is something that they still do. Um, I I feel like it. I feel like it's a must. I feel like skill development is something you should do year round. But Coach Kingsley talked about how they maintain skills. That's what it's for. You don't want to go through offseason building players up, adding layers to their game, making them better. Then you transition into preseason. You're, you're still helping them get better. And then you get into the, into the season, and you don't do any skill development at all. That really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I get it. I understand your focus is on your opponent. Your focus is on your team. Your focus is to get prepared uh, for your games. Your focus is to, is to get Ws. But you have to understand, no matter how good of a team you're supposed to be, they are your team is no better than the individual players. And if your individual players lack skill, then your team is going to lack skills, and then you're not going to win as many games as you're capable of. So if your team is struggling with handling ball versus pressure, more likely you're going to have a lot of turnovers. A lot of turnovers mean less shots. Less shots mean your opponent can get more points in transition, more possessions, which puts you behind the eight ball, okay? 
So in season, they have certain staples. They have a routine. They have, uh, as some coaches call it, daily vitamins for that they do for their players. So the guards may have certain skills and certain drills they may have to do on certain days. The bigs may have certain things. The wing players may have certain things. And he didn't mention this, but I, w- I will say this. I think that, that if you can designate 15 to 20 minutes of skill development in your practices, then I feel like you're, you, you're going to do, trem- do a tremendous job with your players. Me personally, I think that it should be something that you start or finish practice with. Um, but you have to mix it up and try to see what works best for you. Uh, some coaches talk about putting in the middle of practice to kind of break up the monotony of practice. Uh, but I, I just I think it's good to start it off so players come in. You can They could be player-led. They could come in. They know exactly what they're supposed to do. It could be based on the day. You can have certain things or certain drills that they do on different days. And so, and now what you're doing is you're you're putting the ownership, the accountability, the responsibility on the players to take ownership of their skills and what they're supposed to do. Okay. Now these skills is relative to the team style of play. If your team doesn't do a lot of post fees and post ups, I wouldn't have drills for my players to throw the ball into the post and cut. If you're running a ball screen motion, then you need to have them simulating different things that they're going to do uh, with their within their offense. But these are fundamental foundations. So if you feel like your players need to come to a jump stop when they're in the lane, you need to do drills or have them do things where they come to a jump stop. If you have players um, that you feel like they need to make certain passes out the pick and roll. It might be a pocket pass. It might be a one-handed bounce pass, an over-shoulder pass, like just different things that they can rep and they can help to try to keep their skills sharp. And it doesn't have to be a whole bunch of reps. It might be some different drills that you have them do. They do five or six reps, and then they move on. Okay. Number four, skill development is getting really good at one thing. Um, he said that and I was like, man, I really like that quote. I really think that's, that's a good point. Um, cause see, um, you're going to have players that can't do everything, but they complement other players, right? So you have to have, if you have a ball screen motion offense, you got to have some shooters, right? You got to have some bigs that can set good, solid screens, they understand how to roll. They can roll hard to the basket, and they might even be able to pop and shoot the three, or they might be able to do a short roll. So you have to have players that complement each other. So if you have a player that's a shooter, they complement that player that's really good at coming off the ball screen and making plays for each other, even though they can't do other things. All right, But they, they like to teach – multiple players on the court to be able to come off the ball screen. They don't want it to be just one player. They want at least three players. So when it comes to adding layers to their, to their players, um, they're very patient. They're patient. They know, they understand that it's a process that all the coaching staff understand it's a process. So when teaching a player, a new skill, they keep it simple. So if we're talking about what they do with the ball screen motion, they might give them a scoring option and a passing option. And they rep that over and over again. And he didn't go into details about how long it takes and, and all that and 
oh, we do this for, you know, 30 minutes or we do this for a couple of days before we add anything. I don't I don't know that. I think that's going to be, you know, a, a, a case by case uh, situation. But but they're patient. They understand that this is going to take some time. They, they didn't do a lot of ball screen in high school or they don't understand what to do. So they got to keep it simple. OK, look, this is your scoring option. This is your passing option. Okay, you got that. You understand that. We've done some reps. You're making progress. Okay, here's a second option. Here's another uh, passing option. Okay? So you got to be patient to understand how to get them from, from, from where they are to where you want them to go. But it's a process in doing that. Uh, and then another thing, too, by doing that is, you know, only tell the player what they need to know at that time. Don't give a player too much information too soon. Sometimes we, uh, coaches give players so much information, the player's brain goes into overload, and they don't know what to do. So just keep it simple. Tell them what they need to know at that particular time. That's it. It's kind of like when uh, I used to, when I was a kid, used to try to ask my mom certain questions. She'd be like, that's on an as-need-to-know basis. <laughs> that's what she would tell me. Uh, so basically, she was telling me to be quiet and shut up, and I'll let you know uh, what you need to know when you need to know it. So uh, so I think that's that's important, too. All right, and number five, film is huge in development of players and team. Film is huge in development of players and team. Because I asked him, I like to use film. This is something I really, really fell, fell in love with here lately. I use an app. I get my phone. When players are doing one-on-one, one-on-two, two-on-one, anything that's really working on the decision-making, um, I like to use, I like to use my, 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 my phone. Now, if they're struggling with a skill or a technique, let's say their footwork, their form, their, something like that, yes, I use my phone so they can see what it is that they're doing or not doing or struggling with. Yes, I do that too. But uh, at Yale, they use film for the individual, for groups, for teams. So with the individual, they, they might be and, – and he gave me information, but he didn't go into, like, deep, deep detail on this. But I'm, I'm going to uh, – I'm going to make assumptions. So with the individual, since they're a team, with the individual, I think they might spend some time with the player individually and look at clips of them in practice, maybe doing some drills – or maybe in a in in competition and say, hey, this is where you you missed this opportunity, okay? Or or you should have done this here, or you could have done that. Oh, you did a great job in this situation. So they do the same thing with groups and and with the team. But another thing that they do is have an area of focus, an area of focus. So let's look at our turnovers. You know, let's look at all our turnovers in this game. Let's look at all our transition getting back on defense. You know, let's let's look at our transition when we're trying to score. Let's look at our ball screen motion offense um, the last five minutes of the game. You know, let's see how, how effective and how efficient we were. All right. Now, with an individual, also, they look at the individual touches. So the coaches want to know exactly what were you thinking at this particular moment. Okay. What did you see? What was going through your head? What were you trying to do? What do you think was going to happen? So you're getting that information from those players, and then that coach can turn around and say, okay, 
I understand what you're saying, but look, this, this, this is what we need you to do. Or, hey, you, that's, that was good, but look, here's something that's a little more efficient. I try to tell player when, we're, when I'm working with them and trying to develop them that it's not necessarily wrong, but there's probably a more efficient or, or better way to do it. Okay, so if a player has the ball and there's two people underneath the rim and he caught the ball on the wing, he or she catches it on the wing and there's nobody near them and they drive it to the basket and shoot over two players and they score, that's not wrong. I'm not going to say that's the wrong decision, but there's a more efficient way to try to score that basket. And that is either shoot a floater before you get too close, shoot a 15-footer off the dribble, or when somebody throws you the ball, shoot a three-pointer. I think there's a more efficient way. I try not to use the word wrong because we have this certain mindset about being right and wrong and not necessarily just saying, oh, let me look at this situation and see if I can do it better. So I try not to use the word wrong. Okay. Uh, So even if I'm teaching a player a certain footwork and they do it different, they're like, oh, they, you know, they'll catch them. So, oh, man, I did it wrong. I'm like, no, you didn't do it wrong. We're just not working on it that way. <laughs> so don't think that you did it wrong. I, I, you know, I want you to know that you can do it that way. We're just not working. We're not repping it that way. That's not wrong. Okay. So I, that's just me. That's the type of language I try to do. Um, but the coaches will look at them, look at the film with them, get their information, uh, see what it is they're trying to do, see ways they're trying to improve. And and that give them that type of feedback. So that is it for the show. Um, let me let me recap this real quick. Five things that I learned from the interview with Coach Kingsley Kingsley, uh, who is the associate head coach of the Yale men's basketball team. Uh, and again, I apologize. The audio from that episode wasn't great. Uh, there were certain parts you really couldn't hear that good. There was some feedback in the beginning, but I wanted to do this so you can have it and understand some some of the great information that he shared. So you might have listened to the first two or three minutes and be like, man, I'm not listening to this. I can't, I can't hear it. But he really shared some good information. So let me go through this real quick. Five things that I learned. Number one, make skill development a priority. We have to make it a priority. And when you make it a priority, we're not talking about just in the offseason. We're talking about offseason, preseason, in-season. All year around, 365, doesn't matter if you're playing games twice a week, or if you're in the offseason, or if you're in the preseason, you're getting ready for, for the upcoming season. Skill development has to be a priority. Number two, build up in increments. Don't try to do everything at one time. I tell players all the time, I just want to take little bitty steps. As long as you're moving forward, you're progressing. You don't have to take big chunks. You don't have to jump forward. You don't have to skip steps, just small steps at a time. Because if you take small steps, then you eventually you'll be able to look back and see how far you've gone. And, and that doesn't mean that, that you're not going to be able to take big steps. But our focus is just, just take small steps. Don't be in a rush. Be patient. And, and you'll develop. Uh, number three, in-season skill development. What is it for? It's to maintain skills. Um, have you a, a certain staples or daily vitamins or, or routine for your players to do in-season that can help them with their or help you with your foundational fundamentals. 
And those fundamentals is something that you have to determine as a staff, as a coach. Say, okay, our team, every player on our team needs to be able to do these things. Or it could be based on their position, what it is that they play. And it's, and it's got a focus or emphasis that's influenced by the style of play that you have. Okay. Number four, skill development is getting really good at one thing. Get good at one thing. And then I didn't mention this. And then you want to add complementary skills. So if you're the, the guy that, that's a catch and shoot, uh, three point shooter in the corner on the wing, well, what, what would be the best skills to add to that? Well, be able to attack closeouts. The coach is not just going to say, hey, I'm going to put the ball in your hands and you just look to attack off the dribble. No, you got to be able to add skills that's complementary because your opponents, teams in your conference are going to know, hey, that kid is a 42% three-point shooter from the corner. He shoots 48% from the wing. We got to run him off the line. So if you can attack those closeouts off the dribble with one or two dribbles, now you're more effective. Now you're harder to guard. Now that guy has to decide, do I close out hard and take away that three? But if I do, he now has the ability to get into a pull-up, get to the rim, or make a play for somebody else. So we want to add skills as complementary. Number four, uh, I'm sorry, that is number four. Number five, film is huge in development of players and team. So you got to look at film from an individual standpoint, a group standpoint, and also as a team standpoint. Individually, what can you do to get better? What areas do I need to improve? How am I improving? Uh, hey, this is what we've been working on. Look, you did it in the game without even thinking about it. You didn't even realize that you did it. And then as a group, my point guards, hey, you know, you may play two or three point guards in the game, or you may only play one or two. Hey, you know, look, guys, y'all had 10 turnovers. Let's look at this. Let's break this down. Let, let me get some feedback. What, what are y'all seeing? So now I can get a better perspective on, on how to coach you. Uh, wing players, y'all, y'all are not defending on the wing. And it doesn't always have to be negative. It could be something positive. Hey, wing player, I love the way y'all ran the floor. Man, y'all was running the floor wide. You got to your spots. You got to the rim. You, you kicked it. You, you were able to catch and drive. You were making plays for each other. Those are the things you want to be able to do. So it doesn't always have to be negative. It doesn't always have to be about what you're not doing, what you need to do, or what you should be doing. Sometimes it's going to be about, hey, this is what I like seeing. I need you to continue to do this and do more of this when we're playing. So those are the five things that I learned from uh, Coach Kingston that I feel like is, is really big. And I hope that this episode, which gave you a recap of my previous episode with, with Coach Kingsley, will give you some great information better to take with you. So before I let you go, let me close out with this. Um, coaches, I am excited because I did a, um, a presentation early this year in March, and I've now taken that presentation and it's on uh, CoachTube, CoachTube.com, C-O-A-C-H-T-U-B-E, CoachTube.com. If you uh, go to the page and and right on their homepage, it says Master Your Sport, and then there's a search box. If you type in my name, TJ Jones, my course will come up. My course is like a 54-minute course. It's a... Uh, um, uh, it's like a slideshow um, where I'm I'm discussing how to plan, prepare, and execute your skill development. So some of the things I talk about in my podcast and and that's in my book is in this presentation. Now the uh, presentation is twelve ninety five, but it's it's about an hour long course. Um, 
and I break down different things I feel like you need to know with your skill about. Now, I got some great feedback from some different coaches that say they really, they really love my presentation. Um, I think I had nearly 200 coaches in on the Zoom call when I did it. Um, and there were coaches from high school to to uh, Division Two to Division One to international coaches that was on that call, and and they said it was you know one of the best presentations they have seen because it's a different perspective when it comes to skill development. A lot of skill coaches would try to give you drills and and all that's fine, but I'm I'm taking a different different approach. I want coaches and teams to understand how to put together a skill development plan or program for their team. So uh, it's on Coach Two. It's the name of it's plan, prepare, and execute your skill development program. It's twelve ninety five. But this is what I did. The notes that I that I put together to teach that presentation or give that presentation, uh, I made into a PDF and I attached it to that course. And my book, my skill development playbook, the PDF version of my book is also attached, which is a three ninety five uh, value. So you're getting a a one hour course. You're getting my notes from the uh, actual course that I taught, and you're getting a free copy. Well, not necessarily a free copy. Well, yeah, I guess you call it a free copy. And you're getting a copy of my book, which is three ninety five uh, to go along with it. So, and if you and if you get my book, if you buy the course and you get access to my book, you would then have access to my uh, other course that I have. I have a course that's on my website. It's a free course um, that talks about skill development that goes along with my book. So basically, what you will be getting is a twelve for twelve ninety five, a course that I did. Uh, for nearly 200 coaches that range from youth to high school to college, Division One, Division Two, uh, Division Three, and international coaches, there was nearly 200 coaches on that Zoom call. You will get the notes for that that I used to to teach that that Zoom call, and you will get a copy of my book, and you will get access to my five day course that that complements my book. So. For twelve ninety five, that's I try to get give good value. So go in there and check it out. Um, it hadn't been on there real long. It's been on there for maybe a week or so. But y'all go in there and check that out. Also, um, if you're just interested in buying my book, the SDP, um, the Skill Development Playbook, be sure to go to my website tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. Um, when you go in there, it has all the information about the book. The paperback is $9.99 and the PDF version is $3.95. There is also a link or a button on there that will take you to Amazon if you prefer to, to order through Amazon. It's $9.99 for the PDF. Oh, I'm sorry, not for the PDF, for the paperback version. And it's $3.99 for the, um, for the Kindle version. Uh, be sure to follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. That's at NBNBball. Also, my SDP podcast has a Twitter page. Um, that's at SDP underscore podcast. If you want to follow us on on, on Twitter. Um, but I'm really more active on my NBNBball page. Uh, let's see what else. If you have any questions, you want to discuss anything with me about, about skill development, send me an email and info at tjonesfirm.com. Um, I have been talking with different coaches uh, about skill development, some in the G League, some college. You know, So uh, I just love talking 
talking basketball. So so y'all be sure to hit me up if you have any questions or you want to set up a time to just to just, you know, talk skill to go, talk hoops, talk basketball. And again, I appreciate everybody that's been listening to my podcast, but I want to get this out more. So y'all be sure to tweet about it, uh, forward to your friends or your or your colleagues, let people know. If you listen to it, uh, be sure to let me know. You know, uh, make a post on Twitter and tag me at NBNB Ball. I'll be sure to retweet it. Um, I'm trying to do this, you know, and, and just try to give some type of knowledge to everybody that's that's listening. But uh, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And also, I'm really, really appreciative if you can go on to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating. Well, that is it. I appreciate it. Uh, season six, episode two is a wrap. Season six, episode three will be released soon. Gerald Seaman, great interview. And we got some great information from him to share with you. So y'all be looking forward to that. So until next time, thank you and God bless.